Look at a clock for me. Whatever time it is, in the next 24 hours, will you make any positive difference in our world? What if someone gave you a gift of an all-expense-paid date to make a positive difference for our community? What would you do? People that don't have somewhere to live, like homeless people, you could always give them somewhere to live so they feel safe and secure. I think that would probably make the most difference. <laughs> Instead of catching a man to fish, how about teaching a man to fish so people can actually do something that's sustainable rather than just making it a big party for one day. I would put more into um, like a rec center for kids. I would go to a shelter and see if we can find a rescue dog and take him home with us. So we always need help picking up trash. We need help with the food pantries. Um, there's different food boxes that they do. They always need volunteers, things like that. I'm Andy Dix, and this is episode 21 of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast. We're going to meet Chris Taylor. She's the founder and president of Indianapolis-based Evergreen Leadership. Each year, she gives her best leadership training and personal development away for free to 15 people who've won her Community Builders Award. These winners are invited to participate in a one-day immersive and intensive leadership development retreat experience. In this episode, we'll hear from Chris and three former Community Builders Award winners. The challenge Chris sets for herself each year is creating a powerfully transformational experience for these 15 emerging leaders so they can leave the retreat as an energized community of community builders. The real question is, can Chris create meaningful growth in 15 strangers with only 24 hours to work with and still make a real difference? Can leaders be built in a day? Chris's first challenge is to get busy people to accept the call to become a Community Builder Award winner. How would you answer? Hello. I'm Chris Taylor. I am the founder of Evergreen Leadership, and we create customized leadership development programs for a number of organizations, and one of the special programs we do every year is Community Builders. Chris founded Evergreen Leadership in 2004, and she published her book, A Leader's Guide to Turbulent Times, in 2014. Chris shares her story of how she came up with her Community Builders Award idea. It was the early summer of 2016. I brought on a new intern, Katie McNamee, and I said, Katie, I've got this idea. I want to do a competition, if you will, or look for nominations all across the state of Indiana for people who are really out there in the community, whether that's the work community, their faith community, uh, their geographic community, who are out there really doing good work and to bring them into a retreat center and spend 24 hours with them and see if we can't create connections and spark some interesting things to happen. And ever since then, for the past five years, and we're entering our sixth, we've gathered up a group of leaders and headed out for the woods, with one exception last year, with the pandemic, and just thrown a lot of really interesting people together who are committed and caring and recognized for their leadership to see what will happen. Spending 24 hours with a group of total strangers at a rural retreat center might be a bit intimidating to some people. I asked Chris to explain what to expect during her experience. We go to a retreat center called Oakwood Retreat Center. And so it's a wooded center. It's a place where you can just kind of leave the world behind you. You're joined with myself. I guide the experience and then uh, 15 other peers. And we walk through the process of doing some self-reflection. So there's a series of exercises that I lead people through. We create a lot of connections throughout uh, because typically these are people who don't know each other. 
but at the end of 24 hours, they know each other. <laughs> and we ask some compelling questions. Who are you as a person? Who are you as a leader? Um, what is it that you want to create in your life? How is it that we can support each other? So we walk through a pretty structured process with big white spaces in them so people can think and reflect. And so I think the white space is just that ability to breathe a bit, to have a beer around a campfire or a glass of wine, to sleep in a little bit, to uh, do some meditation in the morning, to be asked an interesting question and then given some time to just take a walk through the woods and reflect on it. We ask them to come into this space where they don't know anybody and they may or may not know me and kind of step into a place of vulnerability of sharing their story and a bit about who they are. We talk about the creative process as a leader and how you start to envision something different and how you bring that into reality. So we ask them to do some envisioning. We ask them to do lots of sharing and supporting of each other. So a lot of times people are spun into groups of two or three people to share some of their hopes and dreams, some of the things that make just terrify them about those hopes and dreams. And then throughout it, very intentionally, I keep bumping people up against each other, mixing up the groups so that you walk away with this group that hopefully can support and help you. So the, the culmination is always putting some voice to something you would like to bring into this world. And maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you're just exploring at this point, but something. So giving voice to that and actually saying it out loud to a group of people. And then asking the question of everybody else in that group of what could we do to support you? Doesn't mean everybody has to support everybody, but oftentimes Marla knows somebody who can help Josh, and Josh knows somebody who can help Sue, and Sue knows somebody who can help Tanisha. And so that idea of amassing the resources at our fingertips or, you know, within our world to help one another. Is Chris's Community Builder Award sounding more intriguing to you? I think you'll get even more excited about it, as I did, once she explains the significance of the name Community Builder. The two main words, right, are community and that notion of um, how is it that you bring together people who are interested in creating connections with each other and enhancing their community wherever they are. And as I said, some people will get nominated because they do great community activism work. Others because they're recognized in their workplace as somebody who brings people together. Some people in their faith tradition. So, you know, the word community can be really broad, but it's those people who understand that we're better as human beings together. That there's something that holds us together and we can support, encourage, and uplift each other in those places. The builder's piece is that idea of being active about it, not just passive and waiting for somebody else to do it, uh, but asking the question, what is it that I can build? It could be little teeny tiny something. Uh, one of our community builders just thought about all the visitors that came into his manufacturing site from all over the globe, and how could we welcome these visitors? And so at the end of Community Builders, he made sure that they were a much more welcoming manufacturing site for these people that might come from another community. Other folks have gone out and done some really interesting and big things. And But, I, you know, it's the ripple kind of thing is you just keep dropping pebbles into the pond and things ripple out, and you just never know where it's, what's going to happen. It's very fun to see what happens. Chris's firm, Evergreen Leadership, is dedicated to helping leaders survive and thrive in turbulent times. I asked Chris to share a little bit more about her thoughts on leadership. Yeah, part of the mission of Evergreen Leadership is to really 
support and grow and develop leaders who can be adaptive in today's environment. And I think that means leaders that are in touch with themselves, who understand how to create new things, who understand that when you raise the goodness for one person, you raise it for all, understanding that we're all interconnected. So we have kind of a unique or different, I think a more cutting edge view of leadership than the top down, I'm the boss, I told you so, kind of methodology. So how does someone become a Community Builder Award winner? Well, you have to be nominated, and you can't nominate yourself. I checked. Number one, nomination, we make it not very hard. (laughs) So it isn't a very lengthy process. The other thing is this is give back, so people don't have to invest money for their lodging or their meals or for this experience. So, And you don't need any financial resources to do this. What I'm looking for are people who have used their talents and skills and done something to create environments where people can do better. It's interesting, we'll get people from industry and business, we'll get people from nonprofit, we'll get people from faith traditions. It's fun to see the range, but I think there's such value in getting all those different perspectives and people around the table and sharing a common experience. So nominations open June 1st of 2021 for our sixth Community Builder cohort. They will close August 2nd. And so you will go to evergreenleadership.com and you will notice on the navigation bar a nominate tab. There's some information about the award, it gives the dates, and then there's a nominate someone button. You do need to be nominated by somebody else. You cannot self-nominate. If you're interested and you're listening to this, you know, poke somebody and say, would you nominate me? This sounds interesting. The nomination form, we have slimmed it down from the beginning, and basically we ask a few open-ended questions. Who are you nominating? How do we get a hold of them? What's their LinkedIn or their social media profile? What is it that you see in this person that causes you to nominate them? And then we ask the question of, have you checked to see if they could come to the retreat? This year it's August 27th and 28th. Because one of the conditions of accepting the award is that you can actually physically be there. We then close nominations, we review, uh, we reach out to people, we make sure that you're able to attend. And then that series that just triggers a, a series of communications around, well, here's how, how you're going to get there, and here's what we're going to do, and here's what you need to do to get ready. But we want to make it easy. Most of the, the work of vetting the nominees is on us, so people don't have to write essays. But they do have to write a couple paragraphs about what they see in that person they're nominating. Joining Chris and I around the table are three former recipients of the Community Builder Awards. Uh, I'm Josh Hupp. I work with the head as a client director, and I was a part of the Community Builders class of 2017. My name is Tanisha Waddell-Pyle. I am the um, director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, inaugural position for MyPath Corporation, and I am part of the 2020 class of Community Builders. I'm Marla Taylor president of Taylor Advising, an Indianapolis-based consulting firm that specializes in helping community leaders set big goals and achieve them. And I was part of the Community Builders class of 2019. I asked the former winners what they thought were the greatest benefits they took away from being a part of the Community Builders Award program. I was a guy in his mid-20s that was still trying to figure out what he wanted to be when he grew up, right? So I guess that's the easiest way that I could put it. That's Josh Hupp. And in that aspect, I was involved in nonprofits. Um, I served on some technology boards. I, I worked my way up in a company that I, you know, I thought was the end goal. I uh, gave everything I had to it, and then quickly learned that you know this isn't the final step. 
there's a lot more that you can be, there's a lot more you can learn, and there's a lot more you can more importantly gain from other people's perspectives. So I think I left it with a much more open mind and a willingness to kind of challenge myself and more importantly take criticism in a more different way. And then I think the most important is it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to take on the world by yourself. So Tanisha Waddell Pyle had a bit of a different retreat experience. As the pandemic hit, they had to shift the entire process to Zoom. But Tanisha said it was still a very memorable experience. Uh, I would say the, what I learned the most about myself was to, I, I know this comes up a lot, but to be vulnerable and to share more about myself. Um, I am very much involved in my community. I have done a lot of things that, I mean, I've been like, um, even throughout my career, I wasn't very, the person that people knew about. I was the person to come there and help. Like I said, my, I spent 15 years in law enforcement. So then transitioned into um, the mental health aspect world and nonprofit and executive leadership. So talking about myself or focusing on myself wasn't really a thing that was that I would do. So if I needed to go out and champion somebody, if I needed to go out and do things for other people, that is all I focused on. And like the busyness, the putting the busyness on the pedestal was like, okay, I always got this to do, I got that to do, I got this to do. So it really was able to allow me to slow down and do introspection. And then at that time, my son had just moved out to go to college in a pandemic. So I had some things that I was kind of like, like moving out of the house, like little, there was a plate, my special object <laughs> that I kept. It was a plate that I had from when I first had my sons and it kind of went on a journey with me through my evolution of self. And it was something that I was going to kind of get rid of and like, like I need to put that behind me. But in our conversations in the community builder, because I allowed myself to be vulnerable and talk about some of the adversities that I've been through and how I got to this point in my life, I realized, and they helped me realize, um, and this was hard for me because I don't talk about myself, but you know, that that was something that I needed to hold on to and keep as a, as a memorable keepsake of how far I've come. Marla Taylor went from playing a supporting role as a number two in an organization to taking the leap to becoming an entrepreneur based on her experience. When I think back a few years ago, when I arrived at the retreat center and where I was at in my life, um, I was at a place in my career where I think I'd always been on this track of supporting others in everything that I did, where I've spent my whole career working within and around the nonprofit sector, so working directly with people who have experienced domestic violence or sexual assault is where I began my career, um, but since then have worked in many different arenas addressing root causes of poverty or workforce development challenges or hunger and homelessness. Um, but in all those arenas I've had the opportunity to be part of, I've always been supporting the efforts of other leaders in that space, believing in their vision, seeing the innovation that they bring to our communities and helping guide them and support them to make those visions realities. Um, and oftentimes in my career, I was doing that from the spot of being either a consultant or kind of the number two um, in my company or in the organization I was part of. Um, I was really often in that number two role and which worked well when I was thinking of myself in that supporting role. Um, and in fact, 
So walking into that retreat center, I was at a point where I was in that supporting role for my clients within my company, um, but I was part of the leadership team and I thought that I was really at the pinnacle of my career. Um, and I think what Josh said really resonated with me um, that I, I realized that that wasn't the last step where I was at um, when, once I got into those vulnerable conversations and had that time for introspection at the retreat um, because I had this community of people, most of whom I didn't know before I walked in the room, who they saw something in me, like the mentor who had nominated me, um, that they saw I could do more than just support, that I could step out front and lead too. And so going through that process and just being in that safe space where there was a community around me that believed that I could step out and lead, I could innovate. I didn't only have the skills to support others, but I could be in that spot too. Um, that really changed the whole trajectory of my career um, because soon after the retreat experience, my wheels just didn't stop turning. Um, the people I met didn't stop supporting me or being part of my network. And I ultimately left the firm that I was at, started my own business. Um, and now for the last couple of years, I've gotten to do the work I love of supporting community leaders and continuing to address those community issues and social issues that I feel passionate about, but doing it from a space where I'm able to take the lead and know that I can really drive change um, and work with others to do it, but that I don't have to be in that number two role to make that happen. And I don't think I knew that about myself before I learned that from the others that were in the Community Builders Retreat with me. But is community a different concept than just simply networking? I asked the winners, and here's what they had to say. I, I mean, good, bad, or indifferent, most people go into a networking event with a goal, right? They have a hidden agenda that they're trying to accomplish. They're there to meet a specific amount of people. They say the best piece of networking is going there with a plan. The difference with community building is I had no idea what to expect, and I had no idea what the outcome was. Um, and I think that just builds a stronger relationship when you go in there trying to better yourself and finding people that truly have an interest outside of just, here's what I'm going to accomplish. If I didn't accomplish, it's not a win. So I think it's just a completely different experience. Yeah, and I mean, building on that, I, I think the relationship is the key piece that oftentimes networking feels like a transaction mm -hmm. where you both know you're, you need something from each other and you're going to do that transaction and then move along your day. But when you're building community, you genuinely care about each other mm -hmm. and finding success or helping them to find whatever it is that they're looking for and support them along the way, even if you don't get anything back from it. Yeah. That's not what it's about when it's community. And I think I've certainly experienced that even with the community that we built at the retreat. Um, there are several folks from that group who have continued to play that role in my life and I hope I've been able to do that for them as well where I mean like Josh talked about earlier being able to pick up the phone and know mm -hmm. there's no pretense here we don't have to feel like this is a transaction but I know just cut through that here's what I'm thinking can I get your honest advice and know that you'll get it that's what you get when it's a real relationship and it's genuine you know, it's absolutely genuine, and that's what I think is so important. Is that, like you say, you can have those connections, you can have those transactions, but to really get somebody who you can genuinely connect with and have a conversation with, 
I think that is is super important, and that that happens in the community builders. Being able to be genuine, unguarded, authentic, and vulnerable are important traits to being successful in this Community Builder Award experience. So if you're packing your bags for this 24 hours of leadership development training, be sure to not pack your personal brand or your social media persona, just your genuine self. Tanisha Waddell-Pyle shared her thoughts about being vulnerable. I think it means to me just allowing people to see, realize that you're, that you're human too to really just show those human emotions that everybody experienced and don't act like, you know, or don't try to present as if you're immune to them. A lot of times people that are in leadership roles or, or, or different things like that, they're, they're just, again, so busy with the aspect of leading that, you know, even people that are watching them may think like, oh man, they probably, you know, got this together, they did this, I could never be like that. When you're like, no, look, I'm experiencing the same thing you're being, you're experiencing. And to be able to be, transparent and to show that you are experienced the whole gamut of emotions like everybody else that really really can allow other people to take that space up with you and to again like I said bring their authentic selves to work so or whatever space that you're in so they don't they don't feel like they have to hide who they are which can you know lead to less productivity or lead to less engagement or things like that so I just think that people realizing that you're my fellow human, I'm your fellow human, we're all human, let's just, you know, be able to connect together without these masks on. Well, we do have masks, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Josh Hupp was quick to agree with Tanisha on the importance of being vulnerable as an effective leader. I think it's the most critical part of the community builder process. It's terrifying, right? I mean, it's still hard to be vulnerable sometimes, Mm -hmm. even after the experience, but once you kind of take that investment and truly open yourself up, to try and create that change, it's the most impactful thing that you can get out of the entire experience. Mm. And it's not easy at all. Marla Taylor believes that high achievers often find it very difficult to be vulnerable in a group of peers, but it's certainly worth the effort. I'm sitting around the table with a group of achievers, like I was sitting around the table at the community builders retreat. And when you have these really high achieving people where Everyone is so impressive, doing incredible things in their community. You think, surely they are doing all of that flawlessly, because that's easy to see that you know, from the outside mm-hmm. when we know none of us are flawless. Mm-hmm. But hearing that from someone else who you see as such a high achiever, I think makes you see more capabilities within yourself because you realize that, oh, I, I have these faults or these challenges or these adversities I've experienced, but that didn't stop him, that didn't stop her, I can do that too. And so there's so much collective power in seeing that vulnerability in other people and then sharing it within yourself. Um, But I'm with you, it's so hard to open up. Um, And I think (laughs) this would be no surprise to people who know me really well, but I think I cried at the end of the retreat in the as we were sharing our, our objects and being really vulnerable about myself and my own story. I think I'd shared a, um, a gem that reminds me of my late father. And I don't know, I didn't know anyone in the room. And to share something so personal and then get so much support back from that was just such a powerful moment that was really, really challenging to the point that I was crying from it, but 
made me feel so fantastic to have that community of support around me afterwards. So. As the creator and designer of this shared experience, Chris Taylor takes her role of facilitator very seriously and makes every effort to create a safe enough space for these emerging leaders to be that vulnerable. Chris shares some more about her thinking. And I will say that there's great intentionality about how you bring this group of winners, of achievers together that don't know each other. And the 24 hours unfolds of just building trust over time. So so that's one point, is it doesn't all happen right at the beginning. The second is people are always in choice about what they share, what they don't share, and to what level of degree they want to share. My goal is to create a place where if you choose to share, you know that you're going to be respected, that you're in a group that's got your back, that's going to support you, and that's going to encourage you. The third point I'd like to make is that sometimes I think the biggest vulnerability isn't about our challenges and our less than perfect moments. I think it's about our hopes and dreams and our our thinking about where are those places of greatness within us. I think those are extraordinarily scary, uh, put you in a vulnerable place of sharing those. My final question to this group of winners was what challenge would they like to issue you, the listener, to encourage you to become a community builder as well? Uh, I said it earlier, I would just say it's it's okay to ask for help because the second you ask for help, that's that first step in being vulnerable and you would be surprised at who's willing and able to reach back out and provide that help. I would say just to go beyond your comfort zone, you know, to learn to be comfortable and I think that was part of the invitation, wasn't it? And to be uncomfortable in uncomfortable spaces or places. I think that's really important because sometimes we get so stuck in our comfort that we're like, I'm staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. But I think that that I would challenge them to do that. Because sometimes even being in group settings or being a part of things like this, like Chris said, sometimes you have people that's like, oh, I'm not doing that. It's really important to step outside of your comfort zone and allow yourself to connect with people or experiences to learn more about yourself or to even go to greater heights with yourself and what you can do through yourself and for your community. So be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think whether you're not sure what your next step should be or you feel really comfortable where you're at and you think I've you know, hit the pinnacle of my career or my life or what I'm going to do in my community, whether you're in either of those positions, just giving yourself permission to walk into this space where other people can help you see what's next or see that this isn't the end for your career or your path is really powerful in in and of itself. Just, again, being vulnerable to let other people help you see what's possible is really an incredible space to be in. And so I think being willing to know you don't have to figure that out alone and that there are a lot of people ready and willing and excited to help figure it out with you, whether they know it or not, (laughs) they'll be there. I think it's this notion of sometimes we hesitate to do things because the problem is so big or the challenge is so big or we're not quite exactly sure what to do. And and to me, that notion of if people take away, I don't have to fix everything or have all the perfect solutions. I just need to keep at it. I just need to do the piece I can do. I just can make a healthy family, help nonprofits achieve their vision, uh, help people think differently about DE&I. Just, you know, I can keep just doing the piece I can do and that's enough enough. 
it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the thing, you know, the, the one big answer that solves it all is just what is it that you can add into the communities that you're a part of and do your part, be a good citizen. And collectively, if we're all doing that, big things happen. Making big things happen is at the very heart of every hopeful Hoosier. To nominate someone you know to spend 24 hours in a life-changing experience with Chris Taylor, all you have to do is visit evergreenleadership.com and then click on the word nominate at the top of the page. Special thanks to my guests, Chris Taylor, Tanisha Waddell-Pyle, Josh Hupp, and Marla Taylor. You're all hopeful Hoosiers. Our theme music is composed and performed by author, speaker, composer, musician, and licensed therapist, Indianapolis's own George Middleton. If you know a hopeful Hoosier who might make an interesting guest in a future episode, please email me your recommendation at andy at adgrowthadvisors.com. Until next episode, I'm Andy Dix, your hopeful Hoosier host. Thank you for listening. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast is a production of AD Growth Advisors Incorporated, an Indianapolis-based executive coaching and advisory firm putting motivational intelligence to work for businesses and nonprofit organizations. Visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast, copyright 2021 by AD Growth Advisors Incorporated. All rights reserved.